Well, this morning, I, I want to give you three words to start off with. Just three words. Maybe you've got a note, note page there. Maybe you've got your iPad out or your uh, iPod or something or phone. And you, and, you, and you maybe just want to jot these things down. Just three words. And maybe they can be kind of a, a point of order for you as we kind of walk through the sermon this morning. But I'm going to give you three words. The first one is grace. Um, and, and I want you to, to just put that there, put the word grace. We'll talk more about that in a second. And then hope, we'll put that there, and we'll talk about that in a second. And then the last one, opportunity. So, so grace, hope, and opportunity. And, and just real simply this morning, I, I want you to know that God wants us to know him. He wants us to know and enjoy the freedom that he has called us to. And I truly believe that that means knowing and standing firm in his grace, waiting hopefully as we take the opportunities he gives us each day to love and serve others. And so those three words, grace, hope, and opportunity are so key today. I think it's what Paul has in mind when he talks about this life of freedom. Last week we talked about two words that Jesus says in John chapter eight. Jesus says, that you are free indeed. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are free indeed. We have been released from the, the power and the penalty, the trap of sin, just like the woman that was caught in adultery last week. We saw Jesus says, who stands here and condemns you? Who's throwing stones at you? No one. And Jesus says, go now and leave your life of sin. Live a new life in me. And that's the life of freedom is that we're released from sin. We're released from the power and the penalty of it. And today what I want us to see is this. What, what does that freedom look like that Christ has purchased for us? What does it look like? What does it mean again? So kind of going back to the foundation we started with last week and then looking at this week and saying, what is freedom not? What is it not? And then look at what it is. What is it daily? What does it look like daily lived out? And then what's the mission of freedom? What's the mission of freedom? So with those three words in mind, grace, hope, and opportunity, we're going to look at that. And so look at verse 1, Galatians 5. Look what Paul says, as Andrew read it for us. Um, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So Paul, right off the bat here, asserts that Christ's will for you and I is to enjoy the freedom that he offers you and I. That's Christ's will. As Americans, one of the things that you and I love, we love and enjoy the freedoms we have. Freedom of speech, the the freedom of religion, the, the freedom to go and vote. We love those things. There is much much price to the freedoms we have, though. Much cost to the freedoms that you and I enjoy. But if we think about people, most people, um, we we like to simply just do what we want to do. When we think of freedom, it's the freedom to to choose what we want to choose, do what we want to do, do what we want to do, and when we want to do it. That's what most people think of as freedom. And Paul here is not speaking of national freedom. He's not speaking of this freedom of individualism where you can just go do what you want. It's a different kind of freedom. 
When scripture speaks of freedom, it's speaking of freedom in Jesus Christ, which we talked about last week. It's the freedom from self so that you and I can love God, love others, and truly live for what we were created for. And we're free from the curse and the hold of what sin has done. And we're free now to live what God designed you and I for, to enjoy him and enjoy making much of him forever. And that's the goal of freedom. That's what Christ set us free for. But humanity, we know we're humanity's in bondage, enslaved to many different things. And we know the scripture tells us that all humanity is born into slavery, born into depravity. In fact, Philip Ryken, he talks about this slavery, this depravity that we're born into as a triple slavery. It's the idea that we're born into sin, we're destined to die, and we're tormented, tormented by Satan. None of those things are good, horrible. But scripture comes and it talks of freedom. And when it talks of freedom, it's talking about that Christ has come and provided us freedom from those things, that Jesus has set us free from sin through the cross. Just Jesus has set us free from death through his resurrection. And Jesus has set us free from the death grip that Satan has on our lives and on humanity through the cross and his resurrection. That's what Jesus came for. And so when Paul says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, that is what Jesus has set us free from. In Hebrews chapter two, the writer says this in verse 14 and 15, he says, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus likewise also partook of the same. That through death, he might render powerless, huge word, that he might render powerless him who had the power of death, which is Satan, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. And so that's what Jesus came to do. His, his mission was a mission of freedom, to set you and I free from sin, the penalty of sin, which is death, and the death grip of Satan, so that we could be free. And he died for us so that that could be possible. That we can enjoy freedom in him. And so this morning, uh, let's flesh this freedom out a little bit this morning. Let's see first, what is it not, right? And what is it not is this. Look at the last part of verse one. He says, therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And when we think of a, a yoke, it's a device that joins together animals, much like a, a harness. You, you've seen those pictures before. And the Galatians themselves, who Paul is writing to, they were loaded down by the Old Testament law, and they considered this law, God's law, a means by which they were made right before God. But that was not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to, to show us um, how we have fallen short of the glory of God, to show that we fall short of God's standards and that we cannot be right on our own, that there is nothing good in us. And so we need a righteousness that comes from outside of us that none of us can, can find but in Jesus alone. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. And so the law was not a means to make us right with God. It wasn't a means to, that we keep these things and we gain favor from God or his merits. 
And so during this time period, that was being taught. Not only that, what was being taught and believed by some Galatians was this, that you could take Jesus and you could take his grace, that's all cool and everything, but then you've got to add to that law-keeping. I mean, if you really want to get it right, that's what was being taught. And so this crew was called the Judaizers. Isn't that a cool name, the Judaizers? I mean, that, that, that should go like, that's, that's big time. I mean, I'm thinking, I want figures. I want action figures. I want the Judaizers. I mean, that's what kind of I want. And so who were the Judaizers? The, simply this, they were add-ons. They were add-ons. That they would add on to the grace of God, to, to the gospel, and they would say this, you've got to keep this regulation. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to, you can't eat these things. And so they would just add on things when it came to earning salvation. If you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And so totally against the gospel that Paul was preaching, and so that's what Paul's up against, is he's teaching the Galatians about this freedom in Christ that you and I are to enjoy, and what this looks like. There's this threat to it, and it's called legalism, and the Judaizers, these add-ons, are the ones bringing it up and teaching it. And so Paul says, do not fall back into this yoke of slavery, this idea of law-keeping to earn merit and favor with God, because guess what? That is unbearable, and it's fatal if you do it. Don't fall into that trap. Fatal consequences. So that's why Paul says, stand firm. So what do we stand firm in, Paul? We stand firm in the gospel. We stand firm in the fact that Jesus has set us free by what? His grace. That's what we stand firm in. And don't go back into a yoke of slavery. So there's a way, Paul says in this text, that we can fall back into the yoke of slavery that we've got to be careful against. And what is that? It, it's, yes, it's, it's legalism. He, he just, uh, we just saw a little bit of that. He's gonna tell us how, and then I'm gonna show you one way that maybe we subtly do this in our thinking, and, and so let me show you. But look at verse two through four. Paul says, behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. So, so if you want to just keep part of the law, if you, yeah, yeah, I like this little law and I'm going to keep this to earn my favor with God. What Paul says right here is, no, hey man, you got to keep the whole thing, the whole thing. And then look at verse four. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. And so Paul here says that circumcision of the flesh is no value or advantage for you and I. Now, what Paul is talking about right here, even though he says circumcision, he's not just talking about that. He's talking about even much more. Circumcision just represented what the Judaizers were trying to push on the Galatians. They were saying, hey, listen, okay, grace and Jesus, that's all cool, but you gotta go be circumcised too, man, if, if you wanna be right with God. And that's what they were pushing. So circumcision represented a type of religion, a religion that believed that you could be saved by good works or by legalism. And so the first threat that we've seen already this morning to freedom in Christ is legalism. This requirement that you have to work your way or do something or obey the law to earn God's favor. It's the idea that you offer something to God as like a benefit to him and then in turn, he rewards you as like a, some kind of payment. 
So it's this kind of idea that, that Christ's death on the cross, he, he, he loans that to us. This is this thinking. And then you and I live according to the law to repay him. And that's not the gospel. It's not the gospel whatsoever. But that's what was being taught. Now, if we think that way, if somehow we think we do these good things, and by doing that, I'm bribing God to give me blessings, I do this so he can give me this. If we think that way, what Paul says right here is Christ is useless to you, utterly useless. We have no good for Jesus in the cross if we think that way. And what do we need a savior for if we've got this thing? If we got it, hey man, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do these things. We don't need a cross. That's why Paul says in Galatians 2.21, if righteousness comes through the law, then Jesus died needlessly. But righteousness does not come through the law. It does not come through our obedience. It doesn't come through our good works. Righteousness comes from Jesus alone. It's a free gift of God's grace. And if we fall away from that thinking, we fall from grace. Now, one way we can do this, we gotta be careful because I, I know I've done this before, I'm sure others are um, or have, but we can fall into the yoke of slavery also by this thing called the gratitude ethic. I don't know if you've ever heard this taught or ever thought this way, I imagine we have, but it's, it's this idea that God has done so much for me that I devote my whole life back to him. I pay back my debt to him, even though I'm, I know I'll never be able to pay it back but I'm gonna do everything I can to try to. And we think, man, that's a, that's a worthy cause. That's, and that sounds, that's, a, that's honorable. But I think what Paul says right here is, it's wrong. It's wrong. If we do that, we're, we're putting ourselves again in this position of a slave, not a son, not sonship. Not a son of the king or a daughter of the king, but we're going back into this idea of I'm a slave, I'm paying something back, but I'm doing it because I'm thankful. No, no, that's not the mentality whatsoever. A gratitude is this idea that I'm so joyful and thankful, but I have an indebtedness. I can't pay it back and will never try to, and that doesn't become my motivation whatsoever. Whatsoever. See, if we think of this gratitude, if we think of it like that, then we also diminish the cross, again, thinking that I have something that I can do to pay Christ back. It also has this line of thinking that God has done so much for me, now I will do for him. No, that's not gospel thinking. And so we've gotta be careful with this. You see, God's work, it's past, it's present, it's future, and it's not just for us, yes it is, but it's in us. And we start thinking this way, we forget that Christ is working in us to change us. And there's nothing that we can do, anything valuable that we can do without his presence in us. And we can't do anything to pay him back. He paid it all, he paid it in full, we just sung about it. He paid it complete. And so what's the point? Real simply, the experience of freedom that 
Christ is willing for us and calling for us is only enjoyed in the grace of Christ. It's the grace of Christ that saves us. It's the grace of Christ that we've got to continue to walk in. Or otherwise, we'll fall back in to slavery, to this idea of legalism, even this gratitude ethic. And so we walk in the power of God's grace. We stand firm depending on the grace of God. Now, what is grace? If you were to look at Galatians 5, and you say, okay, what is grace this morning? It's the powerful work of God which he exerts freely. Not because you do anything for him, but he exerts it freely to you and I in our daily living, in our present life. And so, some acronyms this morning. Anybody maybe thinking of that when you think of grace? Anybody got one? Crowd participation? Don't have a mic, but you can yell it. Anyone got an acronym for grace? In unison, that's great. Y'all teamed up on that, great. Synchronized acronyms. Okay, here we go. So, God's riches at Christ's expense, right? That's a great one. So let me give you another one, right? And somebody asked me out in the hallway, and I, I told you I didn't have one. What are you, Mr. Garcia, number 80, is that Jason Witten's uniform you have on right there? Is that Jason Witten's number? Yeah, okay, are you awake? Okay, here we go. So here's the deal. Okay, <laughs> thank you, thank you. So here's the deal. So you asked me, this, this, was, this was good, this was good, it means you're listening. So he, he found a John Piper book out in the, the, the greeting area and said, hey, we getting any quotes today? And I thought, that's just so cool. <laughs> And you know what, I totally, I, 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 I lied to you out there, okay? So I'm a lawbreaker this morning, okay? So, so here's the deal, there is one, there is one. And so this one's just for you, okay? This is just for you. So, so here, I, I love, so Piper has an acronym for grace, and, and here it is. So it's for you, man, it's for you. You'll never forget this, okay? You'll never forget this because I called you out so much. Okay, so here's the deal. So the acronym of, of, of grace is this. It's God's rescuing and, there's the A, okay, and Caring, I love this, exertion. So let's just sit back. God's rescuing and caring exertion. So what's the force of that? What's exertion? His, his work, his, his power. And so what's the force of that? He's done it, he's doing it. That's the force, right? It, it's rescuing, he's caring for us. It's his doing. And Paul says, please, church, Walk in grace, cling to grace, stand firm to grace, grace, grace. It's all about grace. God's doing it. That's why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, he says, I've been crucified in Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So here's the deal. Who's doing the living? Christ in and through me. And so Paul says, I believe in Christ, the one who gave his life for me and loves me. Christ realizes it's about grace. So the first word today, grace, get that. That's so key. We gotta stand firm in that if we're really gonna obey Christ's command to live in freedom. The second one is the word hope. And look at verse five through six. For we through the spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. That's a huge verse. We'll, we'll pack it Unpack it here in a sec. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. And so Paul says here that one standing firm in freedom is waiting for something. What's he waiting for? The hope 
of righteousness. And so if you were just to jot down, hey, well, so what does it mean for me to walk in freedom? The first thing this morning is, is, is this. I stand firm in God's grace, and as I do, I'm hopefully waiting for righteousness. Now, what does that mean? Now, the hope of righteousness is this. We're right with Christ right now. We're right with God right now because of what Jesus has done on the cross. But I'm also looking forward to Jesus Christ coming again so that my righteousness, my justification with him will culminate in me seeing him and being with him forever. Paul calls that glorification in Romans 8. And so that is what we're hoping for, we're waiting for when Christ comes back and makes all things right. So newsflash, people, <laughs> newsflash, Christians, we're hopeful. We're hopeful. We, we wait with hopefulness. I mean, you might, might watch the debate and you might sing, good night, I'm not hopeful. <laughs> I mean, are you with me? I mean, you might sit there going, oh no. And you pick up the newspaper, I don't know if we do that, or look, or, you know, get on your computer and look at the news, or you hear the news, and you watch the news, and every night you just say, man, and, and sometimes it just feel like we're not hopeful. Paul says here, wait for the hope of righteousness. What he's saying here is wait expectantly, wait intently, but with hope for righteousness. It's, it's coming, it's coming. Don't forget that. I think sometimes we forget there's a homecoming coming, not just homecomings in high school this, this week and next week and all that. There's a homecoming coming, and it's Jesus. That's the homecoming that's coming. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming. And so we wait, but how do we wait? How do we wait for this idea of the hope of righteousness? Um, he says in verse five, through the Spirit and by faith. So that's key there. If you don't have the Spirit of God, i.e. you're not a Christian, you can't wait hopefully, okay? So first you gotta receive Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us when we trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. And so Paul says as we wait for this hope of righteousness, we do so through the Spirit, meaning um, that we live our life according to the Spirit. In fact, down in verse 16, it's gonna say walk by the Spirit. And so we're to, to live a life now dependent on the Spirit of God. So it's how our life in Christ begins and it's also how it continues. And so let me ask a question because sometimes I don't think about this when I get up in the morning, but when we get up in the morning, are we thinking and maybe asking God, God, by your Spirit that lives inside of me, and would you do a work in me? Would, would you, would I, would I, one, walk by the Spirit? Would I live according to your Spirit today? I think it's important to think that way. And not only this, by faith, he says. And so faith is this idea that we joyfully rely and depend on what God has done for us and what he's gonna continue to do for us each day and that um, it's not about what I can do for him, but it's about what he's done for me and what he wants to do through me. And so I rely on God, I trust in God. It's how salvation begins, and it's how it continues each day. And so it's through the Spirit and by faith. Now look at verse six. Verse six is kind of a linking verse, if you wanna think of it that way this morning, because look what he says. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Paul's like, we've gotten that out of the way, haven't we? All right, and then he says, but faith working through love. 
And so Paul says right here, there's a link between the love and the grace of God for us and also love for others. And that's what he does through the Spirit by faith, is he now not only has set us free to enjoy the love of God, now he's given us a mission. You see, this freedom has action to it. It's not just sitting back on the cruise ship of faith and with your feet up and saying, serve me God, serve me God, give me this God, give me this God. No, 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 it is the complete opposite. It is now God saying, through my spirit, by faith, you now go and love and serve. And so look at verse 13, drop down a few. He says this, for you were called to freedom, brethren, so he's talking to the church, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite, so no biting allowed, he didn't want that, and devour one another, take care though that you are not consumed by one another, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now there's a lot there, but the one word I want you just to see this morning is that word opportunity, right? The word opportunity. You see, with our freedom comes opportunity. And so the first thing is, we've gotta see what, what opportunity he does not want us to take. And what does it say in verse 13? Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. And so the first threat against freedom was what? Lice, uh, uh, legalism. The second threat against freedom is what we call license or um, licentious living. And so what does license mean? It, it's this idea of loose living. It, let's go back to this idea of uh, what we call antinomianism. Say that again. Um, it's this idea that, hey, I'll take Jesus and, and his grace, but I don't want his supervision. And, and so it's this idea, I'll just go live it up. Yeah, I take, I take the free ticket to heaven, but I'm going to go live it up however I want to, whenever I want to. And so legalism, it demands responsibility without freedom, but license grants freedom without any responsibility. And this is what a lot of people want. A lot of people want. They'll come, they'll get their dose of Jesus for an hour and 15 on Sunday, but man, I'm, I'm going back out in the world and I'm just gonna do whatever I want during the week because I don't wanna live under the supervision of God. So Paul says, that's not what your freedom is for. It's for an opportunity. Now, this word opportunity is an interesting word. It literally means a place from which an attack is made. It's the idea of a base of operation. So Paul has the idea of, of a battle that is in mind, and, and it will carry on um, throughout life. And so Paul's idea here is that he does not want freedom to be used literally as a, as a base of operation for the flesh, but instead as a base of operation for what? To love and serve others. So what's the flesh? The flesh, real quick, is that part of you and I that does not want to do what God wants us to do, real simply. And what are the things of the flesh? Paul tells us their immorality in chapter 5, verse 19. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Anybody have that? I almost had one Saturday. I got real close, babe. Uh, real close. Uh, 
Anyway, I, you know what? I might have crossed the line. <laughs> like, uh, disputes, dissensions, factions, which factions, they help form cliques. Envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So when we are saved, I hate it, but the flesh doesn't go away. It's like that, just that nagging thing that's just continually there. And so there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit of God living inside of believers. And so we were once a slave, Paul says, though, to the flesh, but now Paul wants us to, to know you're now a servant, you're now a slave to Christ. So it's the new kind of slavery that he's talking about right here. This isn't a burdensome slavery, but one we accept with exceeding joy. We have a new master with a new motivation, no longer mastered by the deeds of the flesh or trying to earn the acceptance of God. But instead, because of the love of God toward us and his grace, now we are motivated by love for God and love for people. And so we see our freedom now as an opportunity to do what Paul says in verse 13, love and serve one another. So let's think about this real quick. We, back in verse five and six, we talked about waiting hopefully, right, through the Spirit by faith. And then he says that, in, that, that faith is working itself out through love. And then he says right here, we're having an opportunity now because of this freedom to love one another and to serve one another. So how is, is freedom, how is it experienced? How is it lived out according to all that stuff? How do we kind of put that together in our thinking this morning? And I think real simple that freedom is experienced when we walk by the Spirit, verse 16. And the way we don't bite each other, devour each other, have outbursts of anger, and you name it, is simply by the Spirit. And so we've got to walk by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, right? Galatians 5, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And so here's a newsflash, guys. The Christian life is supernatural. It's supernatural. We like, we like to make it all manageable, right? We like that. The Christian life is supernatural. It's lived by and according and through the Spirit of God. And so here's the deal. You and I are not by nature loving people. If, if you think you are, if you think, man, I'm just, I'm just, no, 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 I'm just a good guy. I, can, I love people, no Newsflash, no, no, no. By nature, we're not. By nature, we bite and devour and consume one another. And so the Holy Spirit produces in us the fruit of love. That's our only hope to live out this mission. And so if we're gonna experience freedom, we gotta walk by the Spirit so we have the fruit of love. The second thing is this idea of faith. Faith connects us to Jesus, but it also produces love. And so the reality of our faith is seen in how we love one another. And so think about it this way, especially uh, you landscape guys in here, you guys that work outside during the day with your hands, or just you, you people that just love gardening, okay? Um, think of a tree this morning. And, and think of it this way. The love of Christ, okay, is this deep, nutritional, 
awesome, real cool soil, all right? It's just good, it's just good. It's got all the nutrients, and you and I are planted in that, the love of God. That's what that soil is. You and I are planted in that, and then the Holy Spirit is the sap that pours the love of God into our life, and then the faith that you and I are gifted and we have is the root that go down deep into that soil, and then the fruit that is produced is love. It's love. And that's what Christ wants us to be. But I got a question real quick, and this is the last thing I want to share with you. Is this, how does it happen? I mean, how does it happen every day? And I think it's just real simple. And I want to read this to you, and then we're going to wrap up. Galatians 3, I just want you to hear this. I'm going to read these five verses, and they're just questions. Don't you love that about Paul? His writing is, is crazy sometimes. This is what he says. He says, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. <laughs> Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And so remember that phrase, hearing with faith. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Do you, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law, answer to that, no, or by hearing with faith? Answer to the last thing, hearing by faith, yes. So what is hearing by faith? And let me just tell you just real simply. What are you and I to hear by the faith of God? What are we to hear? This is real easy, right? The Bible, right? The words of God. What are you and I to have faith in and believe in? God and his word, right? And so what Paul is saying right here is simply this. Believe in the word of God. So if you want to continue in freedom and, and just continue to have your roots faithfully planted in the soil of God's love, what Paul's saying right here is, hey, you've got to continually know what God is saying. You've got to continually hear his love and grace for you. And where are you going to do it in these pages? And how are we going to walk by the Spirit? Knowing what the Spirit wants. And so we hear and believe the word of God. We've got to listen to it. We've got to hear it. And so as I close today, this is how it kind of fleshed out for me this week as I was studying. It was real simply this. And this is just a real practical, real simple thing. But there was one night this week, and Annette and I were going different ways with the kids, and, and Noah had something at school. And so she was with Noah. And then um, I took Grace and, and Ellie and, and Pierce to Pierce's football practice, and so Ellie and Grace started playing, and, and Pierce went to practice, and, um, and so I, I had my chair, and I put my chair down, and I sat down. And one of the things I've learned just getting older, I, I like sleep, all right, and I like to sit and think about nothing, all right? <laughs> Some of you guys in here are like, yeah, that's that sounds like a good day, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm sitting at this practice, and I'm sitting there, and literally that thought came into my mind. I'm liking sitting here thinking about nothing. <laughs> and then I looked up, and there was a guy standing next to me. 
And one of the things Annette and I have talked about is, hey, okay, when we go to these, these practices, we got to get to know people. We're on mission here. <laughs> We're on mission here. And so I'm sitting there, and, and that thought just, I mean, I, I had this battle, the, the battle that Paul's talking about here, and it comes in many different ways. But this battle was there. It was this battle between, I want to sit on my tail, verse, get your tail up. <laughs> that was the battle. And just go and ask this guy, how's, it, how are you, how's your day going? And so this particular situation, I, I obeyed. I'm not saying I obey all the time. So I got up and I went and I just said, hey, listen, how are you doing today? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm okay, you know. It made me a little weirded out, you know. <laughs> I'm just here to watch my boy too. I want to think about nothing as well, you know. <laughs> and now you just disrupted that, no. So like, just, just talking with him and talking with him and, and, and getting to know him a little bit more because we've just started to get to know some of these people. So just getting to know him a little bit more and, and, and that took like 10 or 15 minutes and that was it. And so, so I walked away and all week as I'm studying, I'm thinking, that, isn't that the tension? Isn't that the tension? And, and you know, something may happen there, a relationship may be built, something like that. But I just started thinking about, that's the, the rub that we face all day is I have an opportunity for the flesh to do what I want to do and just make it about me or I have an opportunity to love if that's just through, hey, how's your day going? Or to serve somebody, that's the battle each day. And so Paul is saying here, you have been set free to enjoy freedom. And with that freedom, love and serve one another. Let me pray.